I'm actually going to wrap up a message that I was uh, shared last week. And so uh, if you weren't here, you may be wondering what this contraption is here for. It is what you think it is. It's a seesaw. I'm going to move it a little bit just so I don't smack that keyboard with it because that thing ain't cheap. All right, I'm in the clear now. If if you weren't here, I I will talk a little bit about this. It is a prop, but uh, yeah. You'll have to, to get the visual, you'll have to go back and watch last week's video. It's available on uh, YouTube, and so you can go jump online and watch it. And, um, but uh, so last week, I, I really shared with you about believing for God's provision and what God promised he would do. And so I'll talk to, and shared a little bit about that last week, and then I'm going to continue along that line today. And, um, and so my goal in this and my hope in this uh, is really that I'm talking to those of you who are already partnered with God in the area of your finances concerning the kingdom of God, because there's something to be said just for obedience um, and just walking in that. But there's also another aspect of that. We can almost kick it into autopilot too, and just do things and not activate our faith and believe that God would do what he said in his word that he would do for us when we honor him in the area of our finances. And so my heart and my intention is not to try to get you to give. My intention is to get you to stir up your faith when you give. Um, and that's really my heart, my intention. Last week, I was sharing with you about the really, not just the importance of giving, but actually the honor of giving. Uh, because giving is not a have to, it's a we get to do it. We, it's something that we get to participate, that God invites us into, and that when we do it, is that God gets involved, uh, you know, and so we don't uh, give so that we can get, we give to honor God. That's the motive. And the motive matters greatly. And so uh, last week I shared with you a couple of things, and I'm going to recap just a little bit here in the, at the very beginning. But I told you that, uh, shared with you that our resources are going to be either consumed, stored, or invested. So you're either going to have subtraction, addition, or multiplication. Uh, you know, when you, you're going to go eat lunch probably, you're going to go do some things today that are going to cost you money, and that money will be gone forever. Well, that's money that you have spent. It's been consumed. It's gone. Uh, there's other money that you can save. You can put it in the bank. You can put it in different places, and it's going to add over time. But how many of you like multiplication over addition? I do, especially in regards to my money. Well, there's things I can do to invest my money, and so, you know, I can put it in a retirement account. I can do things like invest in my family, like take a vacation. That's actually an investment into your family, and so we talked about that a little bit last week. But you can also sow into the kingdom of God, which the Bible says is eternal, is that it's not just for this life, but there's actually eternal rewards that come with these things. And in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is speaking here, and he says, um, don't keep, and this is verse 19 through 21, uh, it says, don't keep hoarding for yourselves earthly treasures that can be stolen by thieves. He says, material wealth eventually rusts, decays, and loses its value. He says, instead, stockpile heavenly treasures for yourselves that cannot be stolen and will never rust, decay, or lose their value. And he says, for where your heart will, or for, for your heart will always pursue that what you value as your treasure. In other words, what matters to you is where you're going to put your money. I mean, you probably care about where you live, and that's why you pay for the place that you live. Now, you might be believing God for a better place, and I understand that, but we invest in things. I mean, you know, when I was dating Dara, I spent money that I did not have to impress her. And it worked. Praise the Lord. Why? Because I was pursuing her and my money pursued her as well. 
right? And so, the, and, and here's the truth. The money was a byproduct. It wasn't the motivation, because trust me, I didn't have enough money to impress her. But it's the truth, is that my, my money will follow my heart. It, it is. It's important. And so we understand these things. It's so Jesus keeps going. And look, and there's a lot of things that you can do to leave an eternal impact. It's not just in the area of our finances. We can serve. We can give our testimony. We can share our faith with people. We can do a lot of things. We can go serve people that are less fortunate than us. All of these things are impacting and having eternal reward. But even in this context, in just a couple of verses down in verse 24, Jesus continues and he says, how can you worship two gods at the same time? He says, you'll either hate the one and love the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. He says, you cannot, you cannot worship the true God while being enslaved to the God of money. In biblical terms, this is actually called the spirit of mammon. It's not that money is evil. People quote that all the time, that money is the root of all evil. No, it's not. It's not what the Bible says. That's probably one of the most misquoted verses in Scripture. It says, the love of money... In other words, the unjust, undue desire for more stuff, more money, that's the root of evil. And the Bible actually says that many have destroyed their lives in the pursuit of it. But money in and of itself is not either good nor bad. It takes on the personality of the person who possesses it. But Jesus makes it very clear here is that, look, you can't truly serve God and yet be controlled by money. And so he goes on, and you can go and read this uh, for, for yourself, but in the verses in between verse 24 and 31, he talks about, hey, go look at the birds of the air. Look at the lilies of the valley. He says, doesn't God take care of all of these things? And I love this statement because he repeats it both times. In both examples, he says, but don't you know that you're more important to God than they are? And if he'll care for them, he's going to care for you. How much more does God care for you than the bird? Than the grass that's here one day and gone the next, and yet he takes care of all of them, how much more will he not take care of us? In verse 31, it says, so don't worry about these things. Why? Because I know I have a good father in heaven. Don't worry about these things saying, what will I eat? What will I drink? What will I wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers and many believers. These things dominate the thoughts of many people. It says, but your heavenly father already knows all of your needs. Let me help you with something. If you have a need this morning, God already knows about it. So what do we do with this? We have to trust in the Lord. We have to, what, come to the word of God and look at it and say, okay, God has a way to provide for my need. God has a system that he's established, not that we want to take advantage of it. That's not what it is. Is it God knows our need, and he goes on right on the backside of this statement, and he says, if we'll seek first the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, he will give you all that you need. If I'm going to pursue God to seek him and to seek what his kingdom is, and what is his kingdom, ultimately it's about reaching people. It's about changing people, us first, and then he wants to flow through us to touch other people. And that requires, you know, just like everything else in this world, it does require resources to accomplish those things many times. And so, yes, the gospel is free, but it ain't free to send. I mean, it's just the truth. You know, and so last week, I used this example of this um, seesaw. And so 
really what I did was I kind of explained it this way, and I'm I'm just going to, again, you'll have to go back and and watch it. But basically, I had somebody else on the other end. Well, I had somebody else on this end, actually, who's Chris, our sound guy back there. And when it was about in this position here, I don't know how many of y'all heard this thing crack, which is one reason why we're not doing the illustration today. But I was sitting back here, sitting on it, jumping up and down, up and down, up and down. How many know what I'm talking about? And he never moved the least little bit. And so, but what matters is that this little position piece right here, this little hinge point, it's called a fulcrum. But right here, and this is kind of like when I'm over here jumping, doing all I could do, I couldn't move him. But that's like what we do in life is I'm trying to make things happen. I'm trying to do more. But I'm forgetting that God wants to help me. I just got to get him in the right position. And so if you want to think of it this way, is that this board represents your life. Here's my problem down here. Here's the thing I can't do anything about. Here's me trying to do everything I know to do. And yet I still can't get any leverage. But when I put this thing in the right place, which I'll have to be careful. In other words, when I actually begin to orient my life with God as the centerpiece now, here's a key. Tuesday morning, Mr. Mike Benoit, back there in the back, he had a good point. He said, you know, what he took out of this, he said, you know, the thing that got him was that the, the centerpiece never moved. How many of you realize that God is consistent and God is faithful? God never moves, but yet I move, and I can move my life, and I can move what I focus on, and I can move what I'm paying attention to. And so as I begin to move this, and especially in the area of my finances, as I'm over here, I'm like, man, I'm saved, but I can't do a whole lot about my problems. But I begin to trust God more and more and more, and I'm beginning to take a journey of trusting God more and more and more. And then I get to this place, which is more of a level spot. Like, hey, things are manageable. I don't have to do as much work. I mean, even this, I can just move it easily. And if I had weight on this, I could still move it. If you remember last week... Chris never moved, but when we got into this position, I could move him with effort. But it took effort. It wasn't easy. But then, when I began to move it down even further, and I had Chris, wait, I'm doing this backwards. No, that's right. Chris was down there, and this thing goes up like this, and I could just take my hand and easily push it down. I didn't have to strain. I didn't have to fight. Why? Because I was allowing, let me, for the straight sake of the illustration, I was allowing God to provide the leverage and I was just doing my part. And my part was minimal because why? The leverage was in the right spot. And this is important for us to know this. I figured I built it. I had to use it at least twice, you know. (laughs) Got to get my time worth. It's mostly scrap wood, but, but no, I mean, and so, but I want you to see this. Because I believe even in the area of our finances, many times we're trying to figure out why we keep struggling. Like even if you didn't tithe, if you just lived according to God's principles, go read the book of Proverbs. Proverbs is a book about how to live life successfully. If you just lived by the principles, minus the giving, your life would actually still be better. It really would. Now, I believe that... When we tithe and when we give and when we participate in the kingdom of God, God says, hey, I'm going to honor my word and I'm going to do what I said that I would do. 
And so what happens is that when we begin to make, well, I'll say it this way, when we make the decision that tithing is not something that I do, it's actually who I am. Like, I'm not a giver. In other words, I don't decide, am I going to be generous? I am a generous person. I've already made that decision. And so when opportunities come, the question isn't if, it's so much as, number one, should I? Is God asking me to do this? There's an obedience factor that is important because I can't give to everything because I don't have unlimited resources and neither do you. But God will put something in in your path. He'll put something before you and then you go to God and say, okay, God, let me submit this to you. Is this something that you want me to do? Is this something you want me to participate in? But the more that I do that, the more I'm actively really positioning myself and and really I'm I'm actively putting my trust in God. It's not passive. Christianity is not a passive lifestyle. Hey, I'm just going to keep coming to church. I'm going to keep doing what I know to do. And just somehow over time, I'm going to change. Like that's not going to happen in any area of your life. You're going to have to actively participate in the process. You're going to have to make some decisions to say, God, I'm going to cooperate with you. I'm going to actually take the word that I hear and I'm going to activate. I'm going to apply it to my day-to-day life. And in that application, things begin to shift. Things begin to happen. Things begin to change. And so what happens when we begin to activate our faith, we actually begin to trust that God's promises of that he would be our provider. And what happens is I begin to shift that I'm not the responsible. Let me say it this way. I'm not my source. See, the problem for many of us is that we're our source. So when we get a a bill or we get something that we're like, I don't know what I'm going to do about this. All of a sudden, the weight of that thing falls on us. The pressure of that thing falls on us. But yet the Bible says we're to cast all of our care upon the Lord. Why? Because he affectionately cares for us. Doesn't mean that I don't have problems. Doesn't mean that things don't arise. It just means that, hey, I'm going to take them to the one who can actually do something about them. And so that's how we trust the Lord. And so putting God in the proper place in the, in the scope of our life, what? It gives us the proper leverage that we need. Leverage matters. When you have it in the right place, you can lift a lot more weight than you can by yourself. And the same thing is true in the area of our finances. And so I want to read a familiar passage of Scripture. I just kind of want to walk through five verses here. And it's going to come out of Proverbs chapter 3. If you've been around church very long, you've probably heard these scriptures. But I just want to take kind of a few minutes here and just walk through this. And I'm going to kind of dissect it a little bit, pull out some words and just give you some definitions and some meanings and maybe a thought here and there. And and I want to, because I really want you to understand how this works. Because it's more than just, like, let me say it this way. I even mentioned this last week. One of the things, look, I do online giving, but one of the things that I have found that I have to really be intentional about is to continue to activate my faith in my giving. It was different when I brought a check to church. My faith, like, it was, I felt it differently. And now I just do it on my phone. Now I don't do the reoccurring. You could do that if you want. That's between you and Jesus. I don't because if I did that, I wouldn't even think about it. And I want to activate my faith. In other words, every time I give, I want to say, God, I'm acknowledging that you are my source and I am not. You're the source of everything I have. You're the source of everything that I need. You're actually the source of everything that I even want. But you're my source. And so I'm trusting you. So I'm honoring you with what I have. And so in Proverbs chapter 3, starting in verse 5, it says this. It says, trust 
in the Lord with all of your heart. That word trust means to put confidence in. That we should have some confidence. It actually means to be bold. When we trust in the Lord, we're saying, God, I I have my confidence in you. It's not in me. It's in you. Here where it talks about to trust the Lord with all of my heart. That's with my will and my intellect. How many of you know that it doesn't help to pray and ask God to work, to turn around and get to work on the thing I just prayed about? Now, it doesn't mean that we don't have our part, and I'm not saying that we should just pray and be like, okay, God, if you want to do something, it's all on you. No, God still needs our active participation, but the weight of it belongs to him, not me. It belongs to him, not you. And so I have to what? Trust in the Lord in every, with all of my heart, with all of my being, with every part of my life. That means I need to trust God with my family. I need to trust God with my job. I need to trust God with my future. I need to trust God with my finances. Why? Because in all of my ways, other translations say, acknowledge the Lord in all of your ways. Recognize him. And so even in my thought life and even in my, all of these things, so it goes on, it says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. It says, do not depend on your own understanding. Let me help us. We are not as smart as we think we are. And if you think you're smart, you're in trouble. Because you might be smart in an area or areas. None of us are smart in everything. Trust me, I've been around some really smart people that said some really dumb stuff. And I just thought, you ain't got a clue what you're talking about. If they're young, when I, when I was a youth pastor, I used to say it this way. Because, you know, I love my teenagers. But I'm like, you cute. You real cute. That was my way of saying, you real dumb. And the thing, you know, I, I mean, and I don't know that we ever fully grow out of that. If I'm honest. But yet we can so quickly depend on ourselves, And we will abandon the promises of God in the pursuit of trying to make something happen. And yet God all along is saying, you do know that I love you. You do know that I, I like I'm watching you. I, I'm, I'm, I'm paying attention and I'm just waiting for you to turn and look to me. Because I want to work and I want to move and I want to do things for you. But I'm not going to do it as an uninvited guest. You got to invite me and you got to open the door. I mean, think about salvation. The Bible says Jesus stands at the door. He's not going to kick it down. We got to open the door, right? We got to make the decision. Well, the same thing is true in the area of even with our resources. And so it goes on here. And it says that we're to seek his will in all that we do. Salvation is an all-inclusive offer. You ever been to an all-inclusive resort? Like, you pay before you get there. You know, I, I mean, you go, the food's paid for. All the extras are paid for. All the amenities are paid for. You know, I, I remember the first time me and Dare went to one of these places. The first day I kept thinking, like, what's this cost? And I would ask, what's it cost? What's it cost? What's it cost? I wanted to know because I'm like, no, I don't want your slushy that's $15. Like, get out of here. You know, and then they're like, oh, no, it's free. And I'm like, really? I'll take two and some frozen uh, washcloths. You know, one time for one of my uh, birthdays, this was years ago, 
She'd gotten tickets. We lived in Missouri at the time, and she got tickets to a St. Louis Cardinals game. And it was a season ticket holder. Well, I didn't know. She just came to work and was like, change your clothes. We're going somewhere. And I'm like, what are we doing? I'm a little bit of a control freak. I'm like, we ain't going nowhere. What are we doing? Where are we going? What's happening? She's like, shut up and get in the car, you know. So after much deliberation, I conceded. And so anyhow, but with this ticket came special parking. Like they're directing everybody this way, like, you know, doing this number, come this way, go that way. We had to put something on our dash and they pointed us and they're like, come here. We pulled, I mean, I'm not joking. Our car was this far from the stadium. We got out the sidewalk and walked down a door and it says season ticket holders and it had some verbiage. We walk in, there's a buffet. And I'm thinking, man, this is expensive. Like, where are we paying? Like, this ain't a good birthday gift, Dara. Like, <laughs> going there, I'm eating all the food I can because I realize it's paid for. I'm like, I'm going to gorge myself, taking a nap in the third inning. We get out to our seats. It's right behind home plate. We're like the third row, directly behind home plate. It was awesome. And then this dude comes around. He's got a little menu. Would you like anything? No, I'm full. It's free. Let me look. <laughs> you know, <laughs> let, let, let me look. <laughs> let, let me just see if I need something. Like, you know what? I need some popcorn. I need a hot dog. Cause I'm, I, I might take a bite, but it's free. So I'm going to take it. I don't want to be rude. And it was all included with my ticket that I didn't pay for. How many of you realize We have an all-inclusive salvation. It's already been paid for. So why would I not trust God with every part of my life? I mean, if heaven is good, and I think we would all agree, I plan on going there. Don't know about you. If heaven is good and, and, and God can be trusted with that, why can he not be trusted with every area of my life today? Because if I can't trust him right now, what makes me think I can trust him later? But if I have confidence that the Bible, what the Bible says about heaven is real, then why would I have any less confidence that what God said in his word about being my provider be true? And yet many of us have more confidence in our belief or our faith that heaven is real than we do that God would actually do what he said in the word in this life. You can apply this to healing. You can apply this to finances. You can apply it to peace. You can apply it to a lot of things. But it's already all been paid for. And what God is saying, hey, all you got to do is show up. Because here's the thing. Dara had tickets to the game. We still had to drive to get there. And what if I would have walked into that buffet and been like, you know what? I didn't pay for these tickets. I I don't need to eat nothing. Go to the game. No, I'm I'm just here. Just here for to experience the game. I don't need anything. I really wonder when we get to heaven, if, if when we stand before the Lord, if he's not going to say, can I just show you everything that you missed out on that I had for you? I actually, you know, how the Bible talks about the scripture where it says that he will wipe away every tear. I don't think those, I, I personally, and I'm not saying this is the Bible, this is my personal belief. I really wonder if it's not going to be tears over what we could have had that we never tapped into. That kind of changes your thought about that scripture a little bit, doesn't it? 
When Jesus like, can I just show you the life that I had for you, what I wanted to do for you, what I had available for you? So the scriptures here say, seek his will in all you do. In other words, bring God into every area of your life. The NIV says it this way, is that in all of our ways, we're to submit to him. Now, we don't like that word. We're Americans. We're free. Sure, but we choose who we submit to all the time. But it's, our, it's, a, it's up to us. So my, one of my questions for you today is, is he really Lord in all of your ways? In every part of your life. Now the Bible says, if so, he will actually begin to direct you. He'll begin to speak to you and give you instruction and, and lead you in a path that he has for you. We're doing this summer series and that's what the whole focus is about. The focus is about hearing God's voice. We're going to be teaching it to you, to your kids, to everybody. The whole church is going to be teaching the same, around the same thing so that when you go home, you and your kids could be talking about, hey, let's talk about what we talked about in church today. And that's the goal, is to create some conversation in your home because, a little disclaimer, it's not my job nor the church's job to raise your kids in a godly manner. We're to come alongside of you and partner with you. But if you default it to us and say, oh, Daniel and Lindsay are going to raise my teenager on an hour and a half a week, you are sorely mistaken. Because they're with you 167 hours. So who do you think has the greater influence? Sorry, I got pastoral there for a moment. No, it is a partnership and we play a part and we want to come alongside of you. That's why we do what we do. But we need to what? Acknowledge God. Why? Because he wants to talk to us. He wants to direct us. He wants to lead us into his path and into his ways. So it picks up and it says that when we do this, so when we uh, submit our lives to him, when we seek his will and all we do, that he will show us the path to take. Let me just help you. If you're in a spot where you don't know what to do, have you submitted that situation to the Lord? Because here it says, when I seek him, when I submit to him, he will show me what to do. So if I'm confused, it's maybe because I'm trying to figure it out and I've not said, Lord, I need to give this to you and, and I need your help and I need your wisdom. I need you to speak to me. Goes on and again, it repeats this. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord and turn from evil. I've said this many times. The word fear is not like in an afraid, like Wizard of Oz behind the screen. No, it's about reverential fear. It's about really about a, an awe or a, a worshipful submission it's really like showing respect unto God. And, and so, you know, and, and here's the thing. is, and, and, and we're about to compare these two things, but I'm going to go ahead and say it here. Is that it tells us that we're to instead fearfully, or to fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It says, then you will have healing for your body and health to your bones. And it says, honor the Lord with your wealth. So on one hand, it says you need to respect the Lord. You need to have respect for him. You need to understand that he's God and you're not, that I'm not. And I need to respect that. Like, God, you are on the throne and not me. Like, that you're the, the creator of heaven and earth. You're the one who holds all of this together. And even my little minuscule piece of eternity, my life that I have, that's here for a moment. God, you got that too. But I need to understand that he is almighty God and he can do all things. And he is all powerful. 
That something that is huge to me is nothing but a mighty little tiny thing to him. And I need to understand that he is awesome. The word awesome actually means to come to a place of awe, like wonder, amazement, astoundment before him. That's what worship is. But yet it goes on here and it tells us that we're also, so it says, hey, we need to fear the Lord, but it says that we need to honor the Lord. See, here's what I have found and what I've seen to be true is that you can demand respect. You can see this all over the place. A a police officer can do this. A teacher can do this. A coach can do this. You know, different, even somebody who's maybe older, your parents could even do this. Or if you're a parent, you can demand respect from your kids. Clean your room. I don't want to. It's my house. Well, this is my room. No, that's my room that you sleep in. I love you, but you ain't even paying rent. I pay your rent for you. I tell that's my five-year-old. She's like, you a freeloader. Now, how many of you know that it's a lot different when I have to demand respect versus them giving honor? See, Respect can be demanded, but honor can only be given. And it's a free will. It's a a, a free choice. So it tells us here, it says that we're to honor the Lord with our wealth, with the best part of everything that we produce. And then, so it says, if we'll honor the Lord, then your barns, or he will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with new wine. Now, again, I want to repeat this because it's important. We do not give to get. We do not give to just get a return on our investment. There is a principle that's at work in there, yes, but I give to honor God. And then I'm going to trust him with the outcomes. And here's what I found. He really is good. I've made the joke before is that God is a good father, not the Godfather. Right? He's not coming looking for your kneecaps. Like, oh, I know what you did. I know what you didn't do. <laughs> like, I mean, because look, people have taken this principle and have made it sound like if you don't give, you better watch out. Because God's got a list like Santa, naughty and nice. Right? How many of you have heard something said like that in a church? Like, oh, you better be careful. God's going to get it. Well, that's not even in line with the nature of the character of God. He just says, hey, I've got a good plan for you. If you'll trust me in this area of your life, I'll do more than you ever even imagine. Ephesians says that God can do immeasurably above and beyond all that we can ask, think, and possibly even imagine. The Amplified Bible adds it this way. It says that it'll go beyond your wildest dreams. And God can do more in a moment. God can do more in a time. But what I have found is that my faithfulness is in direct correlation to God's ability to work in my life, in the area of my finances specifically. It's a universal truth, but it also applies to finances. And so when I trust the Lord in these things, I mean, motive matters. I've said that before. And, And so according to this scripture here is that when honor goes first, provision comes. We looked at this last week, so I don't want to talk about it again. But in 2 Corinthians 9, it says that God is what? Looking for a cheerful giver, not a reluctant giver who gives in response to pressure. So if you feel any pressure this morning, let me help you. Just don't give anything. And I mean that sincerely. 
Because God wants what? He's not after your money. He's after your heart. That's what he wants. He wants your heart and his heart to come in alignment so that what? So that he can flow through us. This is what I have found. It's just a little principle. If God can get it through me, God can get it to me. And I've used this illustration a lot. But how many know the water hose gets wet when the water runs through it? If God can get it through me, he will bless me so that I can be a blessing. But how many know some of that blessing sticks around too that I get to enjoy? That's not an anti-Bible statement. It's actually in the Bible. The Ecclesiastes says this way, that it's a gift from God to have a job and to enjoy the fruits of your labor. It's a gift from God. So he's not upset if we have a few things. If we have some stuff. That's, if we're blessed. I mean, throughout the Old Testament, you go and read. The nation of Israel was abundantly blessed. To the point where it was a sign to the world. Those are God's people. And I'm not saying that we should be, you know, whatever, however you want to say it. I could throw out all kinds of things, but all the ones that are coming are old. Lifestyles of the rich and famous. For my more seasoned crowd. For people my age, you'd be like, hey, we want to be on MTV Cribs. Uh, you know, I mean, you got all these things, right? I don't know what the current would be. Probably some kid on TikTok with some huge mansion somewhere, but. Yeah, I'm not that cool, so. No, we want to honor God. Why? Because when we honor him, he said he would be our provider. I'm not trying to manipulate him. And if I am, then my motive is off. I'm just trying to honor him. And when I honor him, the Bible says he's going to watch over his word to make it happen in my life. He really will. Now, I know some of you say, man, I worked hard for my money. So have I. I mean, everybody works. Most people work hard. But there has to be a mentality shift is that everything that I have is a gift from God. I mean, by nature, I'm a workaholic. Dara was making fun of me the other night because she's like, it's 8 o'clock at night and you're out here with a chainsaw cutting limbs. She's like, it's dark. And I'm like, I got a headlamp on. Like, I can see what I'm doing. She came down and she's like, get off that ladder. You're making me nervous. I'm like, I'm fine. Go inside. I like to get stuff done. I consider myself a fairly productive person. But even in all of that, God can do more with my obedience than he can with all of my work. It doesn't, doesn't abdicate us of, of working or doing things. But it's saying, God, I'm going to trust you that you're better than I am. You're more faithful than I am. See, in, in a biblical term, the Bible calls us a steward. We don't really use that word much anymore, we, but it's a manager. The other night, I was walking around the yard cutting limbs, thinking about this. And I was like, you know what? I'm out here taking care of the Lord's yard. This ain't even, that's what I, that's what I was thinking about because I was waiting on Dare to come back out there. I was, I was going to have my response ready. Girl, don't you know? This is the Lord's yard. And I can't have it shabby looking if he shows up. 
Because I'm just managing this yard for the Lord. And she would have rolled her eyes and laughed and been like, you crazy. Something's wrong with you. You are certifiably crazy. She does have a point. But here's the thing, is that that is a true statement if it really belongs to him. If it doesn't belong to me. I know my name might be on the deed. But it doesn't belong to me. My kids don't belong to me. I'm a steward to lead them to Jesus because they belong to him. And we can, I mean, in our society, we so get into like this, it's mine, it's mine, it's mine. And I mean, you could choose to let it be yours, but you're also responsible to fix it. Take care of it, maintain it, upkeep it, all those things. Like take this even at a deeper level. This is the Bible actually tells us that when we go to work, we're just to work unto the Lord, not as unto our employer. Because if I'm faithful and my boss is, is whatever you want to you fill in the blank for whatever you make. If he ain't doing right, God says, it's okay, I'll, I'll open another door. I got favor for you over here. Don't even worry about this. You keep getting passed over for this, and you, keep, you, you should have had that position, but they passed you. It's okay. I'm going to make up for it. I'm going to give you something even better. Don't even worry about it. Don't even stress about it. Don't even lose sleep over it. Why? Because you've got a good father. You can go read this uh, later just for your, if you're interested, but in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus actually talked about three different things. And he didn't say if you do it. He said when you do it. He said when you give, when you pray, and when you fast. As believers, this was his expectation for us. As followers of him, followers of Christ, he was saying, it wasn't like, hey, if you pray, it's when you pray. This is how you do it. When you give, this is how you do it. When you fast, this is how you do it. And really, all three of those things are all things that disconnect you from this world. That was really the whole point, I believe. It's like, we, you know, in January, we do a 21-day fast. Why? Because we're separating from the world. When we separate from the world, I believe that we actually experience what the kingdom of God is really all about. But if we never separate from the world, we never actually get to experience what the kingdom of God is really all about. And our, and our grip on money keeps us tied to this world. But when we begin to, as we talked about last week, as I begin to open up my hand, God begins to work. God begins to move. And the same is true for you. I mentioned this verse last week, but I'll tell you where it is today. I'll give you the address for it. It's in Isaiah 32, verse 8. It says that generous people plan to do what is generous. And I love this second part. And it says, and they stand firm in their generosity. Now, I don't get to go to God and demand anything. But the Bible does tell me that I can remind him. Lord, I just want to thank you for your word. I want to thank you that you said that I, if, I would, if I would trust you in the area of my finances, that you would provide my needs. And Father, I thank you that I've honored you in the area of my finances. And I've got this unexpected bill. I've got this thing going on. I've got whatever it may be. And I need your help. I need your provision. I need you to give me either a creative way to make some extra money. I need you to bring some extra supply into my life. I don't care how you do it. And sometimes we get thrown off a little bit because God will bring us some side thing 
And we think, well, I ain't doing that. And God's like, but that's where my provision is for you. So you just said no to God's provision. I've shared this story many times about that I was praying because I needed some extra money. And a phone book landed on my front door and on it said, you need money? And I said, yes, I do. Because I had some bills to pay. And I made $800 in a month outside of my job delivering phone books. And it met the need. I could tell you some crazy stories, different ways that God has provided. Sometimes it was work. Sometimes it was just being in the right place at the right time, knowing, hey, I can buy this and I can double my money. if I just, I just turn around and sell it. But see, those things happen when I begin to come in alignment with God's word. And again, I'm not pursuing, I'm not trying to do it for that. It's just a byproduct. I mean, sometimes people talk about, well, you know, favor isn't fair. It just seems like God loves you. No, it's not about favor. It's about obedience. The Bible says God's no respecter of person. In other words, he won't do something for one that he wouldn't do for anybody else. But God does respect obedience. God does respect faith. God does respect when we honor him and honor his word. Like those things do make a difference. They don't change God, but they do change us. They do put it, they, they, there's an alignment that happens that God produces in us. I would encourage you, can, if, if you're taking notes, which I'll repeat what's, I don't remember who said it now, but those who take notes go to heaven. Just, you know. I want to write it down. You can go read this verse later, but in Galatians 6, 6 through 10, I would encourage you to go read that verse. But I want to read this last passage of scripture as I'm wrapping up today. It comes out of Ecclesiastes chapter 11. I'm going to read you, uh, let me see, four verses here. In verse 1, and I'll give you the context of the scripture. But it says, cast your bread upon the waters that you'll find it in days to come. Now that seems like an obscure verse. Like, what the heck does that mean? Well, let me give you the context of what it's talking about. It's talking about when the children of Israel were in their journey in the wilderness. That's actually the context of which this was written in. So they're traveling. They didn't have things like we have today, modern technology and all kinds of things. So they would walk down the rivers until they got to a shallow spot. Well, when you're at the headwaters, if you'll throw some seed in the water, it's going to catch a bank down the river. And what God was saying was, if you'll sow today, it'll make provision for tomorrow. And for them, literally, it meant if you, it said, if you'll sow the seed, there will be a harvest when you get to where you're going. In other words, I'm going to feed you. But you got to make a decision now to eat later. That's really what he's talking about here. In verse 4 of Ecclesiastes 11, it says, Farmers who wait for perfect weather will never plant. It says, If they watch every cloud, they will never harvest. It says, Just as you cannot understand the path of the wind or the mystery of a tiny baby growing in a mother's womb, so you cannot understand the activity of God who does all things. And this is what I want you to catch, this part right here. Because it says, plant your seed in the morning and keep busy all afternoon. In other words, there's a part that I'm going to trust God with, and there's a part that I do have to play. I can't go into idle mode. I can't just go into like, oh, God, you're going to take care of it all. And here's why. It's what it says. 
Plant your seed in the morning. Keep busy all afternoon. For you don't know if, or you don't know if profit will come from one activity or the other, and maybe both. And I've seen this to be true. I could, I mean, I'm telling you, I could stand here and tell you story after story after story after story in my own life of where I've just taken steps of obedience and I've watched God provide. I'll give you a quick one. I haven't shared this one a whole lot, I don't think. Darren and I had the opportunity years ago now, a little over 10 years ago, to go to Brazil. And we had, were in the process of getting out of debt. God told, spoke to us and said, get out of debt. Man, we'd been working, 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 doing all the stuff. I mean, you know, you name it. Everything we knew to do. And this opportunity came for me to take a trip, me and Darren to take a trip. I don't remember exactly what it was going to cost, but let's just say it was $5,000. It might have been more than that. Flights, visas, all the stuff, everything. And I told the Lord, I said, I will not go and go in debt to do it. You're going to have to provide the money to go. Now, I didn't wait until I had all the money to say I was going. I said, okay, what's my first step? Can I get into the country? Not without a visa. How much are the visas? 600 bucks. 600 bucks? Here's what's crazy. Somebody called me and said, hey, I hear you're going to Brazil. You got to have a visa, right? I want to I pay for those. I'm like, you don't know how much they cost. And I told them, and they said, I'll bring you a check. And then we started saving money, and then it was time to buy the tickets. We paid for them. I think it was $3,500 or something like that. I don't remember the exact number, something like that. Just in the plane tickets. This was over the course of about five or six months. When I got on the plane, God had provided every dime for that trip. Even the flights that I had paid for. But I had to take steps. I had to commit to go. I had to buy the visa. I had to buy the plane tickets. And there was a process. And that was my one, one, one request to the Lord was I, I just don't want to go to debt. I didn't even care. I paid for it. I just didn't want it sitting on a credit card. Because we've been working for the last three years to get out of debt. And I'm like, God, if this is you, you're going to have to pay for it. Now, I'm going to take steps of faith trusting you. And I'm going to check. Lord, I'm going to submit this to you. Is this you? Yes. All right. Let's buy this. Let's pay for that. Let's do these things. And God provided. That's one example of many that I could tell you. You're like, oh, well, that's different. You're a pastor. Well, go find that in the Bible. God doesn't love me any different because of my calling. I'm just doing what I'm supposed to do, just like many of you are doing what you're supposed to do. I'm a child of God first before my calling, before my function. I'm his kid. You're his kid. He wants to be our source. And yet we'll, what, rely upon ourselves too much. Man, we'll take the weight of it and take the, the pressure of it. Like, man, I've got to make this happen. And I'm telling you, if you'll trust God, and this is why it's important, and I encourage you, in just a couple of weeks, we're going to be teaching you how to hear the voice of God. How do I know if God's speaking? How do I know if it's him? How do I know if it's the burrito I ate last night? I'm not quite sure. Like, we want to help you with that. That can't be the Lord. 
I can't tell you how many times that when the Lord speaks, that's my first thought. That can't be the Lord. It's like, but it is. But my natural mind goes, ain't no way. But my life, and I I mean, look, and I don't mean this in a self-promoting, arrogant way. My life is proof that God is faithful. God has, I mean, has been way too good to me. And sure, I've worked and sure, I've sown, but God has still been way too good in my life. And he wants to do the same thing for you. You know, I heard somebody, uh, this was a little while back, but it's a funny little phrase, but it's like if you, in a sense, if you want what I have, then you need to go do what I did. And I've shared this publicly many times. I got saved in 1996. And I would say from 1997 to today, I have tithed on every bit of income that has ever come into my life. So you do the math. I have 25 years of sowing. I've paid for cars for people. I've given cars to people. I've written checks to people for different things just because the Lord told me over and above my tithe now please don't think and please hear me I'm not telling you those things to be like oh well you're somebody no I understand this principle right here and I want to put God way on this end so that he's able to do a lot even with my little because trust me the amounts aren't astounding but God has told me, hey, give $100 to that person. Hey, go take care of this. And it's little things. And it's what? What Isaiah says. Generous people devise generous things. And they will stand in their generosity. And so when I have a need, I just have to remind the Lord. Lord, your word says that if I would be faithful, if I would be generous, that you would provide all of my needs according to your ability, according to your resources, not mine. I don't have to beg God to do his word. The Bible says he's ready to do it. We just got to do our part. And I'm telling you, you will unlock heaven in your life. Just got to keep your motive right. Hey, I'm a manager. God, all this stuff is yours anyways. And so I did this last week. I felt like I felt impressed to do this again. But if you're here today, I'm just going to ask you to take a step of faith here in a moment. And you're facing some financial challenges. Because some of you, quite frankly, I mean, you're just in a spot and you're like, man, I would love to be generous. I, I just can't. Maybe there's some bills that are stacked up. Maybe there's some things. And I, I just want you to just go ahead. If that's you, I'm going to ask you just to stand up right where you are right now. Just go ahead and stand up. And you say, you know what? I, I, I just want to acknowledge that I need God to work in my financial life. And I'm going to pray that, number one, God's going to give you wisdom on what to do. God's not just an ATM, but God gives us wisdom, and wisdom's worth more than money many times. But I believe God's going to give you wisdom. I believe that God will also do some things miraculously as well. God is faithful. And so I just want to pray. Look, I I commend your faith for just standing up and just reckoning. And all you're doing is saying, God, I'm inviting you into this space right now. And so I want to pray over you. You can just, right where you are, 
But I believe that God's going to begin to work and God's going to begin to move and God's going to begin to shift some things for you to make it happen, to just give you the wisdom that you need. So, Father, I thank you right now for these who are standing up, even those that may be online today. Father, I thank you that you are a good father. Father, you have nothing but the best of intentions for us. You have nothing but the best of desires for us. And so, Father, I just thank you right now that I come in agreement with these. Father, who are facing challenges, specifically in the area of finances. Father, I just thank you that you are the God of not just a breakthrough, but a real breakout. Father, you're going to show yourself good. You're going to show yourself strong. I thank you for your wisdom, your understanding, the clarity that comes from you. By the ministry of the Holy Spirit, Father, I just thank you that you're working and moving. Father, that you would show yourself strong and good and faithful on their behalf. And so, Father, I just thank you that you're just you're just giving them what they need. You're giving them answers and, and provision and, and just a pathway forward to move from where they are into where you have for them to be. And so, Father, I just thank you today. Father, I just uh, declare your blessing upon them. Upon these situations, Father, I thank you that you're bringing them to resolve and to a close. Father, I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys can go ahead and have your seats. for.